With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. And welcome back to another fan call-in show for Game of Thrones Season 6. This time we're covering Season 6, Episode 10, The Winds of Winter. My name is Matt Murdick, and as you know, I am from PodcastWinterfell.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can find contact and social media links, and uh, that way you can submit feedback or whatever. If you hate what I'm doing on this podcast or you like what I'm doing on this podcast, the easiest way to let me know whether you hate or like what I'm doing on this podcast is to simply leave a review in uh, whatever podcast app that you use. You can find those links at podcastwinterfell.com as well. Um, and doing so helps me stay more noticeable among the other Game of Thrones podcasts, the three billion that are out there. And it also helps me know what you like and dislike about the show so I can figure out how to improve it for you, uh, you know, if it's possible to improve it for you. I mean, there's nothing I can do about the sound of my voice. There's nothing I can do about uh, how dumb I am about the show sometimes. But I, I can do other things. You know, like uh, bring in new segments, take away segments, that kind of thing. That's pretty easy to do. Uh, I do want to issue a thanks uh, for a new review in the U.S. iTunes store this past week from TCNIN, which I'm assuming is TC in Indiana. Uh, thank you very much for your new written review. And we also received an updated review, I believe, by SusieQ58 in the U.S. iTunes store. So, folks, thanks for taking the time. The updated reviews are great. You know, I, I know that while I was away, uh, a lot of people put a lot of hate up on the on the reviews, and that's within their rights, of course, and I took no offense to that, um, them being upset with my decision. But uh, I see now that some people are changing some of those back, and I do appreciate that as well. If, that, if you're one of those folks, um, kindly uh, know that just because I wasn't real thrilled about the Light of the Seven piece that was at the beginning of the, this particular episode doesn't mean that I'm going to quit the show again. Not going to do that. No, not going to quit the show. Um, Ramin Javadi is, is entitled to, to try and, and turn his uh, work into a, an art house piece if he wants. Um, but it just didn't work for me. But there's more of that in the cleft notes, which is coming your way um, a little later on. I promise you. And if you have anything about the music that you want to talk about with me, I, I'm happy to discuss it with you. But believe me, I'm, I'm pretty much going to cover all sides of everything uh, in that cleft note section once I get around to actually putting it together. Anyway, uh, as I said, uh, this is a fan call-in show, and I do want to get straight away to the calls. Um, I don't feel like anything that I could say about the television show that took that I could like some eight in like seven or eight minutes would do any good. Um, it would just make things more confusing probably because I do have some conflicted feelings about this episode, but I do want to hear everybody else's thoughts about it. So we're going to get straight into talking with fans who have called in. Just a reminder to our folks in the chat room, 
Um, if you've seen any articles about what might be coming up in season seven or, or such, or um, different kinds of articles like that, please keep them out of your talk if you're calling in. Uh, we try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible. Or if there's anything related in the books, there's maybe still one or two very small things from the books um, that haven't quite played out in the television show, and I don't even know if they will. So um, there, there's much less of a concern about that. But um, be careful how you talk about things to make sure that it's in the context that show only people can understand and not just a book-exclusive context if you're going to talk about any of that at all. The only other rule that I have is, um, unlike other podcasts, I do try to maintain my clean rating on iTunes. Um, I don't just list it as clean to make it more accessible to everybody and then go ahead and and fog up a storm with uh, a lot of four-letter words. I do try to keep the language at a PG level, or let's even say a Disney movie level, as opposed to a NR movie level or an R-rated movie level. Um, so if you could do me as one solid um, by doing the same with your own uh, adverbs and what have you, then I would be very much appreciative. Um, also, after you speak with me, since we don't have a whole lot of callers lined up yet, if we do get more callers, then we'll definitely take them. Uh, but uh, as it stands right now with our callers that are currently on the line, if you want to call in, uh, just like the Salty Dornishman just called in, you will be up fifth, sir. Welcome back. Um, we will uh, be sure to uh, have, if you want to stick around, then we can let you uh, get to have a larger conversation with everybody who has stuck around as well. So we've got Stephanie, and then we've got the Salty Dornish, Salty Dornishman. Um, so, um, and it looks like we have Joe calling in from Br- British Columbia. I'm sorry, I'm just, uh, this is the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> as soon as I start talking, that's when everybody decides to call in. That's all good, though. Um, here we go. Uh, we're going to just go ahead and get right into the fans and, and their thoughts about anything that you want to talk about in regards to Season 6, Episode 10 the winds of winter, and we're going to start with Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome. How uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm fantastic. Uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, I might, uh, just to our other callers, ask the same thing that I'm about to ask you. If you could rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? Uh, I think I'm actually going to give this episode a 9. Uh, I was I was pretty satisfied with it overall, and most of my nitpicky things are because I'm a book reader and just you know some nitpicky decisions that they've made. So, but I, I guess I won't go too much into that on this call. Not on this particular call, right? Uh, maybe we'll have a uh, a book only fan call in show sometime in yeah. the future where we can all gripe about some of that stuff. Um, let me ask you this, too, since we're now at the end of season six. Do you uh, see this season as being fulfilling uh, do you, or uh, better than some other seasons in the past? Or have you liked other seasons in the past better? Or? Uh, I, I definitely found this season on a whole to be very fulfilling. Uh, I, I don't know if I can answer 
right off the bat where I rank it in the seasons. I think I'll have to revisit it on a whole at some point in the future before I could say that. I love, I, I really like season two and I like season three quite a bit. Um, so I, I would, but I would rank it up along with those two seasons. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, what grabbed you in this episode? What would you like to talk about? What would you like to well, share with our listeners? I don't even know where to start. There's just so much to talk about. I mean, I might as well talk about the opening and everything that happened at King's Landing. And I mean, I I felt I felt the first 20 minutes of this episode was probably the best 20 minutes that the show has produced all at what? overall. Um, you know, just everything, the timing of the tension that they built during the whole trial scene and the editing. And I, I actually really like the music quite a bit. Like even Cersei's new look was fantastic. Like I just, I thought it was just so, so solid overall. Very good. Yeah. I, I didn't have, uh, I mean, I thought the music as a piece was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just questioned um, its function within the television show. That was sure. that's my biggest issue. Uh, but we won't go into that. Um, what did did you expect? Um, Cersei's. I mean, outside of, of Tom and kind of jumping out the window in grief, um, it pretty much went completely to plan. I think for Cersei. Were you surprised that Cersei was able to put something together quite that well? Um, no, I think it was so, it was, it was pretty well foreshadowed and it was, it makes a lot of sense that other than Pycelle, who Kyburn took care of, you know, just everybody was in the one spot. I was very surprised that Marjorie was in that group of people. I, I, I expected Marjorie to make it through the season, but I expected Loris not to make it through Kevin, uh, Mace, like, I, I, I expected it, but even though I expected it and it was so foreshadowed, I just, I thought it was just so well done. Excellent. All right. Uh, let me ask you this about Marjorie. Mm-hmm. Do you mourn that loss? Um, not really. I, I didn't feel very emotionally connected with Marjorie overall this season. I was, it's not mourning. I was just, that one was more of a shock. Gotcha. Yeah. And it was also, and I did find it, even though it made total sense, I was very shocked about the way Tommen died. Even though, like, and it was, I, I, I expected him to be caught up in some other way. I, but it also, it made a lot of sense that he was the one that made that decision. And, and I, you know, and it says so much about Cersei's character that the first thing she does after she does that, instead of going to her son is going to go, you know, brutally torture Seth and Yunella. And, uh, it just, it says, quite a bit and I saw I saw like little to no remorse that she lost Tom in. That really surprised me considering the implication of, of the prophecy, but I guess once it's done yeah. it's done, right? Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I can't say that I was surprised. I would have expected a little bit of, of maybe a little more hint of remorse, but I, I guess, I don't know, man, that's just crazy. Um, yeah, it's just the kind of question, like, there it is. Exactly. Do you yeah. think, what do you think, uh, and, and try and put any kind of book reader notions aside, because I think there are different motivations in the books, but what what do you think um, this does for Jamie and Cersei? He returned in time to see the aftermath of the destruction. Oh. He didn't seem very happy seeing her up no. on the throne, to, to me. No, um, no, so, and... and I- I would assume that by the time he got there, like, you know, he put all the puzzle pieces together that, you know, she was the one that burned everything down. And I, I, I really feel like this is finally going to be the, the, the catalyst of the rift that, and the division that will ultimately separate them. I, I I agree. Um, yeah. Given that George and Dave and Dan uh, have emphasized this point on George's behalf, George, to me, in his books, likes to uh, emphasize the idea of history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the notion of Jamie stopping the Mad King uh, before he could do this same kind of thing all over King's Landing before. Do you mm-hmm. think this is Cersei's last play with Wildfire? No. Oh, well... I mean, she might, I don't know if she'll succeed. That'll be interesting to see for next season, but no, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. One one overall problem I had is, so why did they leave all the wildfires down in the pits of the city? Um, You know, even after, I guess, I've been trying to wrap my head around that one. Like after Jamie killed the Mad King, did he not actually inform anybody? Like, oh, we're basically, you know, you know, we're just walking on top of a lot of wildfire, and it can go poof any moment. So, I'm just surprised after all those years they left all that wildfire down there. But that's a continuity nitpicky thing, I think. Yeah. Well, I see. My the the biggest thing I point back to is it's like. Tyrion, uh, we learned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just in, in uh, the episode prior that Tyrion knew about this stuff that Jamie had told him. And right. so that means that he, I mean, I almost have to assume that that means he knew it before the Battle of Blackwater. Why wasn't he gathering up more of that stuff then? Yeah, and also because the uh, pyromancers were making more wildfire and didn't they realize that there is a ton of wildfire underneath? you know, underneath Baylor's steps and probably under underneath the Red Keep also. Yeah. Here's a crazy theory for you, Rebecca. How about the fact that the pyromancers didn't want anybody to know that all that wildfire was down there so that they could use it for a power play for themselves? Um, that, I don't think that's a crazy theory at all. I don't know if the pyromancers are that forward thinking about anything, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, um, but, yeah, no, I think this will definitely, there's more wildfire. It's definitely going to come into play, and whether it's Cersei or whether it's Daenerys and the dragons, who knows. Excellent. All right, well, uh, we're going to move on here in a minute, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about one more point, if you want to. It can be about King's Landing or any of the other story points. Um, I think the one 
thing, I mean, the one thing I was a little disappointed in was the King of the North speech. Uh, the just something, and I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it, and I, I don't even want to say disappointed, because uh, that's one of the book things overall. I, I was disappointed in, but uh, I just it, it fell a little flat to me. And which is too bad because I'm so much more emotionally connected to the Starks and to the stories in the North. And it just, it didn't have like that same emotional impact that it did when they crowned Rob King of the North. But I also, I don't even, but I don't, I'm not sure that was actually the point of it either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the funny thing for me was I, I loved Leanna in, in oh, the episode. Oh god. Yeah. Um but it the the Manderley thing seemed like a letdown and a little staged to me. Yeah. It, it just seemed yeah. a little too convenient for me and maybe that's that's what got to me about it too. Um mm-hmm. I still love the moment but it, it you know just from a story impact but uh I agree the execution wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Right. Yeah, and again as you know we won't go too far like I won't totally tear it apart the way I I would like to for all your other listeners. But, you know, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a little bit of a letdown. I, it should have, it should have been more impactful, but, uh, and I, I just, I can't wait for someone to smack little finger at some point. His, he's so swarmy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I totally get it, Holly. Uh, Holly, I'm sorry. Rebecca, uh, let's. Uh, what I do here is normally, um, depending on how many callers we have at the end, sometimes I open up all of the lines at the same time and let people just bring up points right. that we might have missed or that you might dispute other people talking about or might dispute me talking about. <laughs> so uh, if you want to hang around for that, feel free. And if you don't, just drop off the line at your leisure. And thank you very much for calling. Oh, I'm going to hang around. All right, excellent. We'll talk to you awesome. soon. Great. And uh, just want to let you know, the caller from New York, I currently have you up seventh. We are moving to our second caller right now. So with that, we are going to move to the person who brought me back to the show. Not kidding, folks. This person single-handedly did it, and I still can't figure out how, but she did. We welcome back Holly. How are you? <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I did it either, honestly. It seems like you have so many other podcast friends and Twitter friends that could have brought you back. I, I don't know what's, what's special about me, but I am very glad you're back. And I wanted to ask you, how do you feel? Now, last time we talked, you hadn't seen any of season six, and now here you are. You've watched them all. You caught back up. You're back into it. How does it feel? You know, I almost feel like I got the better of ex- experience than people who are going week to week because I did get to marathon like the first six episodes of season six on top of the last three episodes of or four episodes of uh, season five. So I actually feel like I got the better end of the deal because I love watching television that way. Now, maybe some people enjoy watching week to week, and uh, but I, to me, everything stays in your mind in, in a more present way and everything seems to make much more sense. Um, and I, I probably was a lot more forgiving of things that I normally wouldn't have been if I'd have watched week to week because of that. But I really enjoyed the experience. 
Well, it's, I mean, everybody that's present in the chat and that's listening, I'm sure is very, very excited to have you back. So whatever part I had in that, I'm, I'm glad. Um, it's, it's been awesome. And what a season to come back to. I mean, would you have expected this um, off book? I know we're not going into book stuff, but being this is the first season off book, would you have expected it to go this well? Because I don't think I did. <laughs> uh, I absolutely did not. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had any expectations. I, 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 I kind of used the whole uh, Dorn thing as just like, oh, see, this is what Dave and Dan do when they get too far away. Um, but, uh, surprisingly enough, it, 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 I think they really managed to, um, because of the freedom of not being in adaptation as much anymore, they really got to let some of their creative juices flow. And, and I really love the result of that. Speaking of results, how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to 10 that we just witnessed on Sunday night? Um, I would rate it a nine. Um, I think I would have given it a 10, but there were zero direwolves and, um, that never sits well with me. Um, I am the big animal lover of, of, of the show. I love all the, the direwolves, especially being a dog person. So, um, any absence of the direwolves is, uh, always kind of makes me a little sad, especially when, you know, they're calling John the white wolf and I'm like, there's not even a white wolf like in the room when there, there should be. But you know, other than that, it's a small complaint. Um, but I really, really, really enjoyed the episode a lot. Excellent. Well, I'm glad that you brought up the dire wolves because let me ask you this and, and not to take away your subject matter. You can talk about whatever you wish, but I do have this question for you. Uh, do you gauge any chance since Ari is obviously now in the Riverlands, running around killing Freys, putting them in pies, do you gauge any chance that we might see an Aria Nymeria reunion next season? When we talked about this uh, on the couch episode, I think I was hoping or uh, for a shot of Nymeria this season, and we haven't got it. So yes, definitely, that would be even better if we could get Aria and Nymeria reunited again. That would. I I I don't know what would make me happier than that. Um, <laughs> Steve, that would make me happier than several of the things they decided not to put in the show that has upset many people. But you know, I think I would I would be very excited, especially with at the rate we lost our wolves this year. It's time to get one back. I agree with that completely. I agree with that completely, Holly. Uh, what do you got for me? What do you want to talk about specifically? God, I I don't even know, and I've been thinking about it all day. I'm like, man, I probably should have something to talk about on this podcast. I'm still, like Rebecca, your first caller, I'm still just kind of taking it all in and processing. Um, And I agree with Rebecca on both the King's Landing um, scene being really, really great, and um, and I was also kind of underwhelmed by the King in the North thing, too. Uh, um, I loved Liana in that scene. Uh, but when, you know, when she said the North remembers, it didn't quite pack the punch I felt it should have. I felt, you know, it's like it's kind of late for you to be remembering after, you know, both sides have lost so many people. It seems, I don't know, it, that was a little disappointing for me. But um, but and, but overall, I, uh, what else? Um, I'm still not sure what to think about Sansa and John and what they're setting up there. I really believe that I think Sansa was, like, over this whole, you know, wanting to be queen and power power thing, and I hope Littlefinger is not 
still going to get under her skin, and I'm worried if he does what that means for Santa's character development because she's come so far, and for her to fall back into that trap of, like, you know, being the queen and wanting power, and especially with Littlefinger, I just that doesn't sit well with me. So mm, I don't know. Uh, what did you think about that? Well, it's interesting you should say that because uh, there, you know, when she told John, I, first of all, I love that Sansa kind of more or less apologized to John about not telling about Littlefinger um, till the end. Uh, I thought that that showed maturity. Um, on the other hand, uh, when she, when you know, when John asks her, "Do you trust him?" <laughs> and she's like, "Nobody should ever trust Littlefinger." I'm like, "Yes, you go, girl. That's right. Nobody should ever trust Littlefinger." And the way she pushed him away at the weirwood, I was like, "Yes, you go, girl. That's that, that's it." Um, and I didn't really have any reservations about where she stood until the very end. And I, I just don't know if that was what that expression that her and Littlefinger were exchanging, that, that, that look that they were exchanging, I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I can't really interpret it. It seemed very ambiguous to me, and probably purposefully so. Um, I don't think it was supposed to tell us, oh, she's going to go jump in Littlefinger's arms now, nor did I think it was her saying, you know, ha-ha, Littlefinger, I showed you. I just don't know how to interpret it. Did you interpret it in a way that, that makes you think that she might be leaning towards Littlefinger again? Or were there other things in the episode that said so to you? No, I mean, like, that final moment, that final look, I guess, is a little bit uh, vague in what she's thinking. But in some of the behind the scenes from the episode, which are available on HBO, Sansa kind of hints at that maybe she wasn't, or Sophie Turner hints that Sansa wasn't maybe excited that John was getting the, you know, recognized for being the king in the north and and maybe she wanted some of that recognition too and that that made me worry because I was like why would they why would she need to say that if that wasn't going to be an issue down the road um so now I don't know um but I was I was a full firm believer that she was over it and she was looking at Littlefinger like I don't care what you do like I know your game now and you can't control me but I I'm still still don't know now I don't know yeah, I, I I tell you, it, it just seems it seems so counterproductive for the growth that this character has had for her to 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 suddenly be sucked back in like that. Although it's also very human, um, but it, it was like John basically gave her the chance when they were standing on the wall. I'm preparing the Lord's chambers for you. You should be the Lady of Winterfell, you know, and and and. There's nothing to say, I guess, that she couldn't still be the Lady of Winterfell and John just be the king in the north. Um, but uh, it would seem that up until this point, and with Lyanna calling John basically a Stark, even if he's not a Stark, she doesn't care. Um, you know, and and seemingly the whole all of the North houses aligning behind that. Um, it does seem like that, that you can't have one without the other in in some ways, and maybe that's what she wasn't realizing and why she's rethinking it. But it, it just seems like if you're going to say, no, John, you should do this, you, you should be the Lord, then she's relinquishing her right to be upset now to me. And that was kind of frustrating to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think um, I think that whole everything with her and John this episode, she um, she kind of made it clear to me that it seemed like she didn't want any power anymore. I mean, maybe not any power. I mean, I'm sure she'd like to you know, be the lady of Winterfell is one thing, but to 
you know, shoot higher than that. She's already been, you know, she's been to King's Landing and back and seen what it's like to rule and I don't think she's liked a whole lot of it. So, I, I mean, I could understand why she wouldn't, and then I, I can't understand why she would, uh, if something, if there is some sort of conflict, why she would want to fight John. Um, and even if John, um, you know, is king in the north and his seat is Winterfell, I mean, she's still the lady of Bolton, right? Like, so she has the whole dread floor to herself. There's no Boltons left, you know? Maybe she could, mm-hmm. uh, maybe she could uh, go there. I don't know. That's kind of interesting you put that because it almost seems like, and, and of course, naturally, Danny does have to conquer Westeros in a way uh, before she can rule it. But it, the the evolution of this season to me uh, has seemed, in a way, Sansa moving from ruler to conqueror, while Danny moves from conqueror to ruler, almost in opposition of each other. Not to great extremes, but those are the trends that I, I kind of see. If if what we suspect about Sansa is true, or if we can, you know, or, or if Sophie Turner has really any idea what Dave and Dan are going to do next, which may not be the case either, remember. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to uh, yeah, let's, let's, next topic. I don't, I didn't really want to be talking that much about Sansa. I, uh, okay. but I just thought it was worth saying, um, you know, I, I, I thought it was weird that I, I really felt she was, you know, going to be with John and, and now I'm worried. Uh, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, okay. Well, what was uh, that favorite part of the episode? What was your favorite part of the episode, Matt? What was my favorite part of the episode? Yeah. Uh, actually, Tyrion and Danny, I think, was my most emotional moment. That was a good scene. That was a very good scene. Um, I, you I, got that I, in a... pretty much spot on, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as if it got taken from the King's Landing set and put right onto Tyrion's chest. Uh, but that's nitpicking. Um, what about you? What was your favorite Favorite, I think I, I think, man, Cersei, all of Cersei's scenes. Of Cersei just being silent and and looking, you know, like the queen she always wanted to be was really awesome for me. I, I'm not necessarily a Cersei fan. I just thought that was really well done. Um, I was very excited to go to the Citadel and see Sam's face when he saw all those books. That that was real special for me, and um, I, I just. I, I love Sam so much, and I'm very excited that he made it to the Citadel. I really enjoyed that little scene with him and the other Maester, and um, as short as it was, and seeing the um, the library and the things hanging from the ceiling that are in the intro, um, that was really exciting. I think I jumped up in my my chair when I watched the episode. I was like, it's the things from the intro. Um, Yeah. I thought that was cool. I, I thought that that's that you know, and a lot of people just kind of dismiss that as a, as a, as a check in, but that's a huge moment for Sam, who's always been on a quest of knowledge. I think the only person who could appreciate it of the people that we know in the show that could appreciate that as much would probably be Tyrion, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so we were all you know Hogwarts Library freaking out and loving it and uh sam was loving it too and so i really love that scene too great score too underneath uh, it was the same theme that went under 
the the wide shot of of uh, Old Town and in the library. I, I just really thought that was a, a nice piece of music um, to kind of. I'm not sure if it's dedicated, going to be dedicated to the Citadel itself, or if it's um, something that uh, might stem into a, a, a better theme for Sam. But uh, really enjoyed that piece of music. What just uh, and uh, folks, this is just a book reader thing, and just uh, we'll just real quickly just ask uh, Holly um, the uh, <laughs> the Leighton Hightower man. I love that. I thought it looked perfect. Mhm, mhm. I did too. Um, I I thought it looked amazing, and all the ravens coming out. That was that was. That was special. I, I've been really excited and hoping we would get to see Old Town this season. And we had to wait a long time, but we did. And yay, I'm really excited. I hope it makes it to the intro map next season because that would be that'll be neat to see. That'll be neat to see. Uh, need to get to some other callers. Any final thought before uh, we uh, move on? Um, uh, the good news for um, Loris is that Brand won't stay on his forehead for very long. <laughs> It just got Aww. burned right off right after he got it. So that's a little little silver lining for Loris. Yeah. So was Marjorie's big plan just to get Loris freed? Is that all it was? It didn't seem to be, uh, you know, it, no. it, the whole Tyrell sigil implied something greater was going on. I think the way, I think she and the High Sparrow just had it worked out where, you know, Cersei was going to get hers. Like, I think, you know, she knew that Tom once Tommen outlawed um, the trial by combat that Cersei was kind of screwed. So um, I think that was her, you know, the, her plan was just making sure Cersei got hers. And she um, <laughs> greatly underestimated Cersei. Um, although I really do think Marjorie played the game so, so well. Like she did nearly everything right, except she just, you know, if she didn't about she would have known about that wildfire. I don't think she would have. You know, she definitely would have gone out there. But I think it was just her fault that she didn't know. You know, she didn't know what was going on under King's Landing, and Cersei did, and and so Cersei got the best of her. Excellent. But, well, uh, well I, and I really admired the fact that Marjorie uh, was recognizing that something was wrong. Everybody else is just standing around like a bunch of oafs. And she's like, no, no, no. If she's not here, there's something going on. We need to get out of here. You know, at least she tried to save everybody, which I thought was uh, pretty heroic, uh, yeah. even if it was primarily saving herself and Loris and maybe Daddy. Uh, but she was still trying to warn everyone, so I love that. Holly, thanks so much for calling in. If you want to stick around for the longer conversation or the open line conversation at the end, feel free. Um, if not, then just feel free to drop off the line whenever you're ready to go. And I really appreciate you calling back in and checking in on me, making sure I hadn't shook apart or anything. Oh, no. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's been right. fun. All right. That's Holly at Hunt Pants on Twitter, who uh, you should all follow. She's a great follow and a great conversationalist about A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones. So we thank her. And we're going to now come... To our next caller, we're welcoming in Gary. Gary, how are you, buddy? Hey, hey, how you doing, Matt? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for calling in once again. Uh, let me just start off with the, with the numbers first. Uh, give this episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe a brief reason why. All right, I'm going to give this show an, an 8.7 out of 
10 lemon cakes. Ah, chose the lemon cakes. Why lemon cakes? Yeah. Well, you know, um, there was another podcast that I listened to. They did lemon cake ratings, I think out of five, and kind of just um, ever since then, I, I in my mind, I mentally rate them as lemon cake ratings, I guess. Oh, right on. Feel free to plug that podcast. <laughs> Who is it? Um, you know, it's been a while since I've listened to them, but um, I think it was – I can't remember. It's uh, I think it was either um, – um, pot of casts, I think, or or there was another one. There's there's quite a few. Yeah, podcast ice and fire. That's the one. Thanks, Iron Throne. Of course, Iron Throne would know about that. <laughs> yep. Very good. Iron <laughs> Throne sure. saves the day as usual from the chat room. Yep. That's the way it goes. Uh, great podcast, and I love a pot of casts as well. And I know that our buddy uh, DJ Tim Hines from the Small Council podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, instead yeah, of the, using Matt's tomatoes, as I often called my little nitpicks, <laughs> he calls his uh, the Sansa's lemon cake. So I love that. Uh, excellent. All right. Well, uh, what mate brought it to an eight point seven? Why wasn't it a ten, or why wasn't it a five? Well, you know, I had high expectations because. Everyone was saying that this episode was going to be just as good, if not better, than episode nine, which I was skeptical, um, hashtag still in denial. Um, but uh, I think that the reason why mostly is because there's just a little bit, it was a little bit too inconsistent. I was trying to figure out, okay, first of all, um, they squeezed in quite a bit near the end there. A lot of information, you know, with Varys, you know, borrowing Littlefinger's teleporter, um, along with, or time traveling machine. I don't know how they did that. But also, um, yeah, I guess you can call this a little, another little nitpick, but I don't like how they extended the the beginning of the show, the uh, whole King's Landing storyline so much, which I, I don't mind that so much. It was actually really good build up you know leading up to Cersei and her her plot to you know uh, that actually turned out to be quite uh, explosive as it were um but i think that if they would have either um done a li- maybe maybe did a tower of joy scene a little bit earlier or like i mean like in episode 9 or 8 um maybe they would have had the reveal in the, the end of episode 8 uh, sorry, at the end of episode nine, after the victory at Winterfell. Maybe that way you, they can really hype up a little bit more for the next episode to the reveal of the King in the North, you know? A, a little bit here and there. Um, the Just just the whole, I don't know, it was a little bit convenient. Um, the Dorn thing, uh, just, I'm, I'm a very, very cynical guy, I guess. You can call me a little mini Tyrion, uh, as it were. Um, but... I don't know. Uh, the 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 sound the the music though, um, it was great. I like the. Uh, I've, I've been noticing. I think you tweeted this a few uh, days ago. There was a there was a John theme, and I and I I looked back at some of the episodes and I noticed it, and I was just like, huh, they do have a John Snow theme, you know, and it kind of blends a little bit of the Stark theme with a little bit of his own, and um, I think at one point. Um, last season, I believe, or no, it was this season when they, after they hung, uh, he hung the uh, the traitors. Um, I think they played the Targaryen theme, 
or is that a mashup of the Stark and the Targaryen theme, a.k.a. the John theme? I don't know. Were you going to go over that with your cleft notes at some point? I wasn't sure. I kind of got a little bit of both in there, and I thought that was great. I really liked yeah. that. Um, yeah. Melodically, and, uh, John's theme has stayed pretty consistent throughout the season, and it was first introduced in the uh, in the, at the end of the Oathbreaker episode. Uh, harmonically, maybe there there are some differences, but um, I, I I pretty much don't identify personally identify anything of of John's theme with the, with the fire and blood stuff. Uh, I'd have to look at it really close. Um, maybe something caught your ears that just doesn't catch mine because I look at things too analytically. Um, but it, it, it's always possible. Uh, you know, music is about, uh, sometimes it's about what's not played as much as it is about what is played. And, and um, that's the psychological effect of it that um, can't always be mapped out note by note to, to find a correlation um, and, or it can be another number of circumstances that psychologically it can be it can imply something, but not necessarily um, in, in a literature kind of sense in terms of the music. But I appreciate that thought. I will definitely look into it. And we are going to cover the John theme uh, in the cleft notes uh, before the end of uh, my TV reign here <laughs> at the time. Um, so great, great thought there. Um, what about so you didn't particularly like the placement of the R plus L equals J um, as a scene yeah. itself, though, were you satisfied by the scene itself? I mean, I got well, emotional about that uh, myself. I, I did. I did, too. But I I was asking myself questions like, where's um, where's uh, Reed? You know, like, is he just he doesn't want to come up? You know what? I mean, I know he's injured, but I mean, he can. I mean, he's he's able to kill a Kingsguard from the back. I mean, he can walk up the stairs now, can't he? Um, you know, a, a little bit here and there. But you're right, the reveal. I mean, I, I was I was kind of rolling my eyes when you know they made her whispers a little bit inaudible at first. I'm like, oh come on, really? He's like right there. Brand get closer. Just <laughs> open your ears, you know. But um, I guess they did that for dramatic effect, which makes sense. They don't want to reveal all too much, and they kind of wanted to make it a little bit more, you know, the transition from. Um, the baby's face to John's face, you know, that like, you know, the, the, the moment that it clicks is, you know, the transition, which that did make for a much more powerful transition. But again, I still think the Tower of Joy and, and that transition to John would have been better suited for the end of last episode rather than putting it in here. It was, there was just so much that we could have had um in the tower of joy scene um maybe that uh i was thinking in my head and when i saw that that handmaiden or the um the midwife or whatever it's like is that willa maybe ah. maybe mm-hmm. or um maybe a shout out to the books um that was uh is it was her name also willa um danes uh edric danes wet nurse Maybe they share the same wet nurse because technically they're in Dorne. Um, so I thought I thought to myself, I was thinking these things, and um, yeah, I guess I didn't really get a chance to check, you know, IMDb if that was indeed Willa, if that actress's name was Willa. But I thought that was really cool that they kind of, uh, you know, she wasn't just alone. You know, that wouldn't have been realistic. But um, I did enjoy the scene. I I uh, 
I did enjoy it, um, despite the little inconsistencies or kind of lack of detail there. But, you know, I guess Brand, they kind of had to rush through because, you know, it was a little bit, it was already a lengthy episode as it was. It would, it would, they, they, I kept thinking, you know, some of these episodes early on were short. They could have taken a scene here or there and moved them up and <laughs> had a more consistent length season. Um, and maybe they could have had a longer one at the end and added a little more yeah. uh, to the, the, the last two were, were fairly lengthy. And I really enjoyed the Battle of, of the Bastards for sure. Um, what else about the, the other thing, I guess, about the, the R plus L equals J or the, pardon me, the Tower of Joy scene. I just keep calling it the R plus L equals J scene because it's the, with the theory that book readers all over the place are saying, well, it's confirmed now. It's for sure confirmed now. Uh, that was one of the things that Dave and Dan said that George asked them who Jon Snow's mother was in the very beginning. And because they got the answer right, how they got the series. So it was not going to be any surprise that they were going right. to pat themselves on the back at some point. Um, at any rate, uh, this, I suppose, finally puts the kibosh on the whole Mira twin theory, right? Right. I I was a little bit disappointed because that would have been that would have made it for a pretty pretty awesome like reveal if if that was indeed the case. But you know, alas, you know, we've already gotten too many good deaths and too many plot uh, resolutions this season. I think that would have been a little bit too much to introduce uh, last minute like that because I don't think they really had many hints towards that because uh, Dave and Dan are, aren't really known for being subtle. And I think we all can agree with that. Tis true. Tis true. What else about this yeah. episode? Is there another subject matter you'd like to cover? Um, you know, um, I, I I like that Dorn was brought back in, but but again, um, I wish they would have... You know, to be honest, let's just, let's just put it this way. I wish there was an episode 11. Um, they, they really they really could have had so much more um, about how, I mean, they didn't really explain, like, what happened to the, uh, um, you know, what happened to the, the, the Sand Snakes, you know, like, how did they, how did they survive for 10 whole or nine episodes, you know, like, people didn't rebel or, you know, the streets weren't filled with blood, I don't know, because, I mean, they technically did kill their, their, their lord, you know, and, and I'm sure there are still sympathizers in Dorne, and, and then how all of a sudden Varys is there, you know, how long has that been going on? And Olena's there all of a sudden. It was kind of, there's a lot of things that weren't really, uh, they weren't explained. And they kind of just said, oh, yeah, just take it for face value. And and I'm like, oh, well, okay. I mean, that's great and all. But I guess it's just uh, since coming from, a, you know, the, the book reader perspective, you know, as much as I, I tried to put that aside as we were talking in chat earlier, you, you kind of have to... Um, you kind of have to scratch your head a little and just kind of like, I mean, you can wing it and just say, okay, yeah, I guess that's how it is. But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just, I have high expectations, I guess, and high standards from the books. Um, but, but you know what? Let's just see how it turns out next season. Um, if there is indeed going to be two more seasons, there's still a lot more content to go through. So they might maybe catch us up, you know, you never know. They might do that. They might do that. Uh, one of the things that I took just on my personal observations was the fact that since the the guards around Doran didn't really disapprove of what Alaria and the Sand Snakes were doing in terms of murdering uh, Doran and and Tristane, 
uh, that tended to make me believe that most of the folks in, and like you said, there are probably still some sympathizers, but it, it tended to make me think that maybe a lot of Dorn wasn't really all that crazy about Dorn's rule. Uh, those words just sound too much alike. <laughs> um, but no, no, uh, yeah, I totally understand your your perspective. Yeah, that that does make sense. And you know, they don't really need to get into that. Really, it just it just seemed a little bit, you know, too much to put in a plate. You know, to throw in your to throw in your plate and have you swallow it all. I guess you know, I, I just I just felt like again they should have done another episode, an extra one or something like that. Maybe maybe we might get some deleted scenes or. Or something in the DVDs when they come out uh, next next year. So you never know. Possibly so. Possibly so. I uh, I uh, quoted a tweet from Brian Cogman uh, earlier on Monday <laughs> uh, because he had, he, had, he had specifically said, "Just so you know, not all of these things are happening necessarily in sequence or uh, at the same time or anything like that." Uh, so they were trying to cover cover their butts in terms of all of the teleporting that went on in this yeah. episode. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And uh, they also, uh, Cogman also explained that they just found that, you know, having Ari on a boat for four episodes just simply wasn't good with check-ins or whatever. Uh, right. Or, that, uh, you know, or the same with Varys. Uh, and they... Once you accept that, I guess, you know, and I love to make the teleporting joke. I've been making the teleporting joke since Littlefinger in season two. But, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, guess what, I guess once you, you, you find a way to accept that, you do see that it is a lot more compelling just to see uh, the result of things than, than the journey to them. But that's the beauty, right, right. Uh, like you said, as a book reader, the beauty of, of, of being a book reader is seeing the journey itself. And, and that's often really fun. One thing, uh, one thing I want to add though. Um, remember, um, I think you. I'm not sure if you mentioned this. I, I've, I've read so many theories and so many um, crackpot theories out there. Um, one, I don't know if you mentioned in your theory podcast you had uh, last month or so. Um, the the one where um, uh, Littlefinger is actually a twin or like a triplet. And how there's like three of them or whatever, you know. And then when I when I saw when I saw a shot of the shot of Varys in the ship with Danny, I was just like, wait a second, I just saw him in Dorne. Like, what's going on? And then <laughs> so I thought, does he have a twin? Like, what is this? Like, is he is this the a faceless man or is a Varys? Are there two Varys faceless men? Um, you know, in the in a split second. But then I started. I and then I they, when they panned back, I saw green, uh, the green Tyrell banners, uh, the 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 sigil on the sails, and then I saw you know all the other different colors, the the gray joy, and I was like, oh okay. Well, that was a little quick, but okay. That at, at first I thought, wait a second, are they introducing something crazy here that you know there's two berries or you, he actually can teleport because. All these other situations where Littlefinger, you know, he went from the Vale to, or, you know, from the Vale to Molestown, like, you know, maybe it was an episode or two, but regardless, it was still, there was a, a difference in time there because it wasn't in the same episode. But in this one, I was just like, Varys is there and then he's here, like literally 20 seconds apart. And I, that's kind of what threw me off, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. And at, I, at told, first, I, I was totally excited. I was excited. I was excited at first. I was like, whoa, no way. I was like, could it mean that maybe Littlefinger is also a twin? 
Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I didn't cover that theory here, but I, I guess somebody did at some point, or somebody mentioned it, um, or maybe I mentioned it in passing, but I didn't cover it. Yeah. Let's. Uh, the, the other thing that that I love though about the fact that you do see various returned and that the the flags are all going and everything, is that uh, when you look back at the Tyrion and Danny scene, and she talks about how he he had done a lot for Marine and how he had earned her trust. The last time that we saw them, I mean, right before the battle of Marine, she hadn't he hadn't really earned her trust. So that implied to me that some time had passed there as well. Uh, pointing to the fact that that was time that Varys was away. And maybe we just didn't, you know, maybe we could have seen the Varys scene a little bit earlier. But yeah, if you're going to have Elena there talking about how all of her future is gone, then you have to place it in a place, uh, I guess, that's in between the wildfire going off and Danny leaving with her ships. So that was the best that they could do. Right. Well, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to add, um, because I know there's a lot of other callers, um, but I just want to add, with the whole North thing, um, I don't think once in this episode or the last did anyone ever actually mention the word White Walker or the Night King or anything like that. I mean, they I guess they made implications like John said, yeah, winter is coming and uh, or not winter is coming, winter is or the storm is here and, or they're bringing the storm or something like that. And I'm like, who's they like, they're not specific. It, it doesn't seem like, uh, was it Lord Sirwin? Like he was convinced or maybe he was convinced, but it didn't seem like he actually knew about the situation. And then they kind of, since everyone just started saying King of the North, I was like, okay, King of the North. I mean, <laughs> it was a little bit like, do they know, do they actually know what's going on? It seems like there's a lot of, um, it's it's a little muddy about in the north if they actually realize the gravity of the situation and if so like can they just trust John's word on it you know and and mm-hmm. the the wildlings it, it was a little bit like come on can can they can John actually try to convince them was there any sort of um you know dialogue there you know they kind of skipped through that and they kind of assumed that we would get the hint of oh yeah everyone's on the same page but i didn't quite get that i think Understood. And, 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 and I can definitely see that. Um, uh, sometimes the show requires you to do some bubble math, I think, you know, and just assume yeah. that certain things are, are connected in, in a certain way. Um, the one thing that I could pull from it is that, you know, if old Nan is telling brand stories about the White Walkers, then you can bet that other old Nans in other houses are telling kids stories about the White Walkers. Um, so, uh, those kinds of phrases may ring true from their childhood or whatever. And as to believing it, well, if they know that Jon Snow was a a Lord commander of the Night's Watch, then they would probably, the North out of everybody, not necessarily the South, of course, because nobody in the South seems to believe that anything's going on except what's going on in their backyard. Um, but the North, I think would specifically, um, tend to believe that more so and know what John was talking about more so than, than any other place. Um, but you have, you have that meeting in the Riverlands. Now people are just shrugging and kind of looking at each other. And I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as much as I nitpick and stuff, um, I, I listened to the small council podcast, uh, that they had last night and, um, I felt a little bit, I felt, I felt in, in line with, uh, with um with some of the 
disgruntled a little bit of the mashed tomatoes they were throwing in their podcast. I, I kind of I kind of saw it, saw it through their eyes as well, and I'm like, you know what, uh, you know, I I can see where you're coming from, you know, and sure. and I did I did enjoy the show though. Don't get me wrong, it's just I I noticed a little bit too much of this, you know. I think in this episode I was a little bit too I was a little bit thrown off, I guess. Totally understood, and we love Donald because he always brings reality to everything. Um, yeah, it is as, yeah, reality for sure. As does Tim. So. Uh, you know, and then Axel uh, has to host and, and and try and turn things around just for the sake of turning things around. Sometimes, you know, just to bring a little a little bit of discussion into the episode. Um, so I love those guys. I love listening to them. Uh, very proud of them. They've done a great job covering the season so far. I've listened to almost all of their podcasts. Haven't listened to that one yet. A little scared to. But Gary, I got to let you go, brother. Uh, of if you want to stick around for the larger conversation. If you want to stick around for the larger conversation, please feel free to stay on the line. If not, uh, just bow out at, at your leisure, and uh, we'll totally understand because we've been talking for a long time, and we still have many more callers to get to. Our next caller is going to be Stephanie. We welcome back Stephanie, who did the Game of Thrones read with me and was uh, great calling in last week as well. Welcome back. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm already like, you know, I'm I'm 55 minutes into this episode and I'm I'm still just starting to get warmed up, I feel like. Um, how about yeah, how about you with a uh rating for this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 and maybe a brief reason why? 1 to 10, I think I'm going to go with 9 and I'm going to say lemon cakes because Gary always does that and I I, I love Sansa and I love lemon cakes. Um and I say 9 instead of 10 because it was it's pretty hard to top last week's Battle of the Bastards. I thought that was an almost perfect episode, and this was a great episode as well, but it just didn't make the cut. So I'm going to go 9 out of 10. <laughs> Understood. Totally. Uh, what would you like to talk about, Stephanie? Oh, my gosh, there's so much to talk about. Um, well, let's talk about something that we haven't talked about yet. How about, do we want to talk about Arya? <laughs> It's your it's your show right now. You talk about whatever you want oh to talk about. Aria is great. Okay. Well, then I will talk about Aria because I I've, I've listened to other podcasts and you know I was genuinely shocked. I was not expecting Aria to show up. I was actually shocked when she pulled her face off. Were you shocked or were you expecting it? Was not expecting that at all until you know started pointing out about the pies. Then I knew who right. it was. Yeah, right. I, I was genuinely shocked, and I was I was excited because, you know, after the whole Arya thing in the episode No One and she miraculously recovered, it was kind of like, oh, boy, now she's just going back to Westeros. What's she going to do there? Well, I think this was a good payoff. So you feel like her using the skills that she learned from the Faceless Men however she acquired a face or whatever, right. <laughs> uh, you feel like that, that that's a good payoff for the storyline. Uh, you know, where does she go next, do you think? Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I thought it was, and what I mean by payoff is because, you know, she was at the Faceless Men, she was trained, but she was kind of getting her self beat up by the waif. Um, You know, she kind of abandoned them and just said, by the way, I'm leaving, bye. 
was kind of like, well, why did we spend two seasons in Bravos with Aria? Like, that was just kind of dumb. So when she finally did come back to Westeros and, like you said, however she acquired the face or whatever, it was kind of like, okay, well, at least she learned something and she did that. And now, look, she's killing Frey's. She's doing Frey's highs. I thought at least, like, that showed that her time in Bravos wasn't for nothing. Does it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, so. and, and I, I can totally get that. I, let, me, let me just uh, take the fanboys, devil's advocate viewpoint okay. <laughs> here real quick. Um, Arya's on a dark path. She's been on a dark path for a long time. And the result of the No One episode gave me hope for Arya that she had found a sense of peace within herself mm-hmm. and with her list and with everything like that. Um, and so, therefore, I was very disappointed in the fact that she is continuing down this dark, dark path. Now, maybe that's just meant to be, you know, and maybe that's what we're supposed to see. But it was the fanboy in me that got me more upset about it than anything about the timing or how did she do this or anything how about she, it. Because, yeah. You know, I, I, that that's just television show stuff, you know, and, and they'll work it out. Uh, one way or another, or they won't, um, and, the and we'll just have it. to deal with it. But the the whole idea of Arya saying, "I am basically saying to Jock and Hagar in, 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 at the House of the Black and White, I am not no one," and then coming right. over here and and being exactly a no one, even if she is doing it in the name of Arya Stark for her list um, defeats. That's what defeats the purpose of Bravos for me. Um, it it kind of works in reverse of what you're thinking, where you're saying, well, at least now we've got to pay off for the skills. Right. I'm saying that, you know, the payoff, the real payoff to me as a fanboy has now been completely reversed. And granted, I'm, I'm saying it's a fanboy perspective. It really yeah. is. Uh, because I, I don't want to see Arya go down this path. I love the girl too much in order to see her go down this path. But she's obviously heading down it. So the question is, as I posed before, where does she go from here? She's in the Riverlands. I ask, I ask this to Holly. Do you think she's going to run into Nymeria? Do you think she's going to run into Melisandre headed south? Do you think she's going to run into the Hound and Beric Dondarrion in the Riverlands? I think she might because they're all kind of converging there. Um, if she finds Nymeria, as Holly said, any dire wolves are good dire wolves. So I hope she finds Nymeria again because we need we need them. Um, but I, you know, I, Melisandre did say, I think probably it was season two, maybe, um, you know, we're going to meet again or we will meet again. So I think they're going to team up, but I'm not sure what the end is. Melisandre could say, Hey, you know what? Like your brother and sister are up at Winterfell. There's going to be some bad stuff going down there. You need to get up there and help them. But if she's on her revenge, you know, going killing Freys and, you know, taking people off her list, I don't know if she's going to want to go and help. Even mm. though she says, I'm Arya Stark, my, I'm from Winterfell, everything. But she still, like you said, she still wants to go and kill everybody. I do think she will meet up with Melisandre. But I don't know if she's mm. ever going to make it back to Winterfell. Do you and think that she, she might try there. to kill Melisandre because Melisandre took Gendry away from her? Ooh, that is a good thing. That is a good idea, but 
I also said like last week, how how do we kill Melisandre? I know Davos came in, you know, saying I want to execute her. John said I'm going to hang her. She didn't really seem that concerned. She was just kind of like, well, I've been ready to die for a long time, but, you know, the Lord of Life's not ready for me. And I'm not sure how easy she is to kill. She's obviously a super old woman, but right. I don't Good know. Point. Interesting point. Interesting. That would point. be interesting. Very good. What else you got on Aria, or is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I loved Old Town. I know we, you guys have talked about that, but I thought just the, you know, the overlooking shot of Old Town was awesome. The library, I, I love libraries and books personally. So when Sam was, you know, looking in awe at all the library, you know, the huge library, I kind of felt the same way. I think I would have done the same thing. I thought that was really neat. Um, but, you know, where's Gilly and the baby going to go if he's going to be in Old Town? <laughs> I felt really bad. I felt really bad for Gilly and the baby, I you know, too. the way that that guy was just like, no women are kid babies or children. <laughs> I was just kind of like, oh, man. And then Sam just kind of like, ha, 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 shrug, sorry, yeah, sorry. I got to see anything. this. I got to see this. You know, and, and a great moment for Sam, seeing the library and everything. But I, I really feel bad the way he treated Gilly in that moment. I hope uh, Gilly doesn't uh, get too angry at him for it. No, but, I mean, I thought that was that was a great moment for Sam, and especially when he's getting out of uh, their carriage, and he has this giant um, the Valerian steel sword, hard Spain. He's just carrying it. Like, that was almost yeah. comical, because it was just like, Sam, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Especially in the Citadel, like they're gonna. Well, and the one thing that was disappointing for me was that there was no payoff. Like Randall Tarley isn't gonna go. I mean, he knows where Sam is going, right? He knows he's right, going to right. Old Town to the Citadel. Randall Tarley's not gonna show up and try and take his sword back. Well, not only that, but we were talking in the chat room since the Tyrells are basically wiped out, besides Lady Elena. Wouldn't the Tarleys be the next people to take over for the Reach? I think they're Ooh. like a very powerful family. So, you know. Well, their house Randall would certainly to... seem that way. I mean, look at their house. They're <laughs> definitely a powerful family. Right. Um, and I know, like, succession, and we don't have all the sibling, the Tyrell siblings that we do in the books, but, like, if it's, okay, well, here's the Tarleys. They have a giant house. You know, Randall's a big military commander. Like, he's going to want his sword, and if he's going to rule the Reach, like, he's going to – I don't know what Sam – I just don't know what Sam was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's fortunate that this happened. Maybe that's the way Sam got away from Randall is the fact that somebody called him back and said, hey, 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 a bunch of stuff happened in King's Landing. Uh, right. <laughs> Olena Tyrell is, is the, the sole keep of uh, – of uh, Highgarden, and we need uh, we need extra people around Highgarden right now. Uh, maybe that That's saved true. Sam in a way. Cersei saved Sam. Imagine that. Imagine that. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, love it though. Love it though. Did you 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 love the shot of Old Town? You like the the library and everything? I loved it. I thought it was perfect because I think I know this isn't the book podcast, but I think in the books they always talk about how beautiful it is and scenic and everything. And it was just, it was almost, it was perfect. It it exceeded my expectations. I was like, oh, that's a good shot. That was really nice. 
Yeah, I love how they can put a couple of actors on a bluff in Ireland and then just uh, add a, a whole vista <laughs> behind them uh, and make it look like a totally different place. I thought it was fantastic myself. I was just like, oh, look at the high tower. That's a book reader yeah. thing. But I was just like, wow. you know. And it was nice that they had all the ravens coming out of there at once at the same oh, time. Let's, let's talk about that. The white ravens, not just ravens, the white ravens. Right. Yeah. Winter is... Uh, yeah. Winter is here as uh Yeah. Was it uh Sansa that said that, I believe? She did. She said winter is here and I think was it John said, "Oh yeah, father always said that." I thought that was a cute yeah. moment between them. <laughs> yeah, that was a good moment between them. You haven't talked about Sansa at all. I know. I was going to hold back for a little bit since I went on a, a Sansa rampage um <laughs> last week. I still love Sansa. And, you know, last week I came up with all these, which I thought were good reasons why she didn't tell John about her having character depth, and I still think she does. But when she came in and just said to John, like, oh, I'm sorry, I should have told you, it was like, damn it, Sansa, like, yes, you should apologize, but also I feel like maybe that was just a symptom of bad storytelling. Like, they just really had no reason for her not to tell John, except for dramatic effects. You know, to have the veil writers come in and everything. And I thought it was because, you know, she's getting dark and twisty and has, you know, a very dark side of her, as um, people say, dark Sansa. Um, And then she's just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I should have told you. And it was like, yeah, you should have. But also, ah." I don't know. It was just kind of frustrating, I think. For a lover like me. <laughs> sure, I understand that. Uh, as as far as all of those scenes playing out, since we're here, um, do you think that that's still a possibility? What did you read out of that last scene uh, with the whole King in the North thing? With Well, and I thought that, too. I was confused about the look shared between Littlefinger and Sansa, like what the implication was, what it meant between them. Like It was obvious that Littlefinger was a little perturbed, Peter was perturbed, if you don't mind the alliteration, and uh, you could tell he was mad that they were all saying, King in the North, King in the North, and Sansa sat there, and, you know, at one point she had a smirk, but then at the end they had that look between them, and I'm not sure what it was, and, you know, I don't think she's going to team up with Littlefinger, because she even said, like, no, I can't trust you, you've pledged yourself to other houses before, too, like, this is, no. Um, but someone, I think it was probably Ion Throne, our good friend, said just because John is king in the north doesn't mean that Sansa can't be Lady of Winterfell, which I think is a good point. Just because mm-hmm. he's king in the north, that doesn't mean he that Sansa can't rule Winterfell while he rules the whole of the north. I had so the same I think thought. That would be a, yeah, and I think that would be a great compromise because she would get And he even said to her, like, we wouldn't have won if it wasn't for you. Like, you're the Lady of Winterfell. She's obviously the true-born person, even, you know, in the North. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, I think John can still be king in the North. I actually love that part. A lot of people seem to not like it or felt it was rang false from when Rob did it. But I, I actually loved it. I got chills. I loved little Lady Liana Mormont. I thought it was great, but 
little finger being up there, he throws everything off. So we never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that was the other thing that I questioned. It's like, would little finger, I mean, is he so lost in Sansa that he would actually tell her that he wants the Iron Throne and he wants her with him? Uh, tell, revealing the whole thing about the Iron Throne, I totally believe that. Right. I think that we all know that's what Littlefinger's been wanting the whole time. But uh, is it still too early to say that he was telling the truth about wanting Sansa by his side, or do you think that that confirms that, that she is his weakness? I, I think it confirms that because, you know, there's always been Littlefinger saying, oh, you look just like your mother, oh, I loved Kat. She was the only person I loved. And, you know, he, he kissed Sansa when they were in the veil. And, you know, I think it was probably pretty dumb of him to say, I want you by my side, blah, blah, blah. He kind of revealed his cards, which he usually doesn't do. So, but I, I believe him for some reason. But I'm glad, I was happy with Sansa's response to that. That she was just like, uh, no, like, you've done this. You've pledged yourself to people before. I'm not listening to you. Bye. But then they shared that look. So I, I feel it's like it's a lot more complicated, or I hope it's a lot more complicated than we think. I don't want it to just be like cut and dry. <laughs> right. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. Love it. Uh, love your thoughts here, Stephanie. Anything else? I don't have anything else, and I know you have a lot of other people to talk to, so I will let you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for calling in, Stephanie. And if you want to stick around for the larger conversation, although we are starting to run a little long, I'm on a kind of an abbreviated schedule tonight simply because of some family matters. Um, so uh, we'll see when we once we get to the end. But I appreciate everybody hanging on. If they uh, continue to hang on, I will definitely try at least to get to you for your main uh, discussion chance. And next we go to... Uh, Another returning caller, the Salty Dornishman. Did you change your Twitter handle? Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Did you change your Twitter handle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, it's been my name forever, so it was quite the decision to make. <laughs> Excellent. How about a, uh, a rating of the episode on a scale of uh, 1 to 10 and a brief reason why? Uh, I'll give it a 9. Um, probably my favorite season finale. Four is close. One is close. Um, I think as far as flaws, I guess we'll start with that. Some minor things like character motivations, like what the heck John setting Melisandre free instead of either killing her or letting her off. I think either of those would have made more sense than just letting her go. Um, that's kind of a small thing. The time jumps is kind of weird, but I was actually going to talk about that a little bit later. Not too big of a deal. I felt that Old Town didn't really fit into this episode. Um, I thought it was really cool, but I, it just didn't seem to fit everything else. Like I think that could have waited. Um, even with the cliffhanger with John taking the sword, could have waited, um, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, I mean, this was one of those episodes where 64 minutes, it just kept going and going and going in the best way. And usually it feels like the shortest 60 minutes in TV, but this felt like a very long, long hour, which was fantastic. I loved it. Oh, good. So uh, even though the time didn't pass quickly, uh, it was all savored, uh, savorable, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. 
Excellent. Uh, what uh, what discussion point would you like to bring up to, to start here? Uh, I guess I'll start with what R plus L equals J. Why not? Um, the one thing that, that I take out of that Tower of Joy scene is the one thing that they did not confirm or deny, at least to me, at least I, unless I missed something. Um, they didn't really say whether Rhaegar really raped, kidnapped, et cetera, Lyanna or not. Did they? I mean, I they they haven't confirmed his guilt or innocence in that matter yet. Um, did they? Am I miss, was I missing something? No, I I'm I'm in complete agreement. They did not uh, confirm it one way or the other. Um, the, I, I would I could not make out a whole lot of the whispering. I wish I I wish I could make out the whispering because um, whatever she was um, whispering to him, I think would be telling of it. I, obviously, there was some whispering that implied. Uh, Robert was going to try and kill John because he was a Targaryen. Um, that that was the one thing that you could really glean from it. You know, you have to protect him. Blah blah blah. Promise me, promise me. Uh, I love the promise me stuff. But as for Rhaegar's, uh, whether it was love or not, um, I know that there's a lot of people out there speculating about you know John's legitimacy to the Iron Throne. And really, to me, I think the only way that he could be, other than if he was legitimized uh, in a certain way, um, and now that he's king in the north, maybe he can legitimize himself. But the only thing, the only way that he could actually be a legitimate uh, Iron Throne contender uh, in terms of line of succession is if Rhaegar and Lyanna got married prior to, right? Totally possible, though. So it's, oh, yeah, I'm not discounting that possibility at all. And oh, yeah. I think that that's, that's most people who, who go with the whole John sitting on the throne someday, um, if not by conquering it, then, then that's, that's the only way it can work. Uh, and I don't think that it's unfeasible at all, because I know there's a lot of book theories about how that might have happened. But um, otherwise, you know, our friend Donald from uh, Secret, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Small Council podcast um, he's right in saying that that's really the only way that that he could be, uh, le- you know, a legitimate heir to the Iron Throne. Um, oh yeah, he can always conquer it. You know, he can always conquer it no matter what. So that that's all that really matters. And the fact that we'd had just that he was a Targaryen uh, would be the Targaryen way. Of course, we have Danny coming to do the same thing, and she's obviously a legitimate heir as well. So. Um, but I, I totally agree with you that the, the the innocence of Rhaegar. Uh, has not been determined by this scene, at least n- to me. Now, granted, I've only seen the episode really twice, so it's uh, I maybe I would pick up something on on multiple watches of that scene, but I did not so far. Oh yeah. What else? Oh, um, so much a crazy episode. Um, let me see. I have some notes here, so I don't ramble. Um, I. I mentioned this on Twitter, um, there are a lot of shout-outs to stuff that has happened in the books or lines from the books, little moments from the books, um, kind of in a modified way to fit the story of the show. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of them, the first one, uh, which was obvious, was the the fray pie was, was clear, um, totally different context, but to have that right. little shout from the writers was very nice, and it was almost more satisfying this way than to have just um, who actually did it in the books. Do you think so? 
I, I agree with that, um, especially when you look at the the result of it in the books. Whereas here we got some some actual, you know, uh, seemingly. I, again, I'm conflicted about Arya. I don't want her doing this, but at the same time, I can't help but be satisfied that Walter Frey is gone. Right? Yes, yeah, please. So. Oh um, yeah, um, mandatory. Just mentioned in the chat, and I was going to mention this. Lord Manderley, his size was very unimpressive size um right I, I guess him as a character overall was unimpressive in the show I, he was a very larger than life figure in more than one way in the books um really awesome character but he was just kind of there he had got a name they named him that's the only reason i knew that was wyman manderley uh, i'm assuming it's wyman manderley yeah yeah disappointing uh, i i'm assuming i'm assuming he was too and um Again, maybe that's just a, a, a another book shout out. You put uh, you put Manderley and Frey Pie in the same episode. There you go. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, there's so many more though. Uh, the daggers from the Kyburns, little birds. Um, again, different in the books, but it was there. Different context, but they were there. Um, the line, "Vengeance, justice, fire, and blood." Um, one of my favorite lines from Feast for Crows, it won't spoil for non-book readers. Hold one second. I work at 6.45, and I'm on the phone. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry, I'm back. Um, Go ahead. Where was I? Vengeance, Justice, Fire, and Blood. Um, Kind of different context in the books. Won't spoil it for people who are planning to read the books. I pray that you do, because I think the Dorn storyline is better in the books, but not quite as satisfying as reading it, but still very cool that they put it in there. Um, Shows that they didn't forget about all of books four and five, which is nice. Um, Mm -hmm. Has the Promise Me Ned line been mentioned in the show before today, or before yesterday? I don't think it was. I think this was the first time. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we that really got me, too. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. The one bit of whispering you can hear clearly is that. Um, and lastly, this is a very, very weak correlation, but I, as soon as I saw Tommen staring out the window, I got a, that strong feeling that he was going to jump. And I thought immediately of um, Ashara Dane um, in the books. And after it happened, I don't know why, that just reminded me very strongly of that, someone um, committing suicide out of their grief. Like, can you imagine a worse place for Tommen to be in, his wife and um, in-law family killed by his mother? And he's completely conflicted, so nowhere else to go for him um, emotionally, so... Yeah. And with the Shardane, it's very similar. I won't get into why she does what she does, but very emotionally uh, depressing characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I actually, I really like that correlation. I think that's a good one. Um, I don't know if I would have come to that myself, but uh, when you bring it out there, I, I like it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of those... Uh, Another thing I wanted to bring up, I guess this is going forward to next season as far as speculation goes. Um, sure. I, I got a feeling as, as Jamie arrives at King's Landing, 
Cersei is about to take the throne for the first time, I I kind of got like a flashback to something that we haven't even seen in the show of Jamie killing um, Aerys Targaryen as he, he's kind of fleeing him towards the Iron Throne. At least that's the way it's described in the books. I just got a a, a twinge of 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 belief that he might take her down there or in the future um, if she wants to burn everybody again. That 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 was uh, something that I talked about, I believe, with uh, maybe Rebecca earlier. Is the fact that um, you know George, especially in the books, and I think Dave and Dan have tried to 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 at least uh, maybe allude to it, is that uh, history repeats itself in this world quite often. Mm-hmm. And, and I came to the same kind of conclusion that it might be one of those things. And I know that our buddies from like Small Council Pod. Um, our buddy Axel Foley, who's on the line and will be uh, calling, uh, be coming up, I guess, the 8th. Um, and we're now on what number? We're on number ooh, five. Uh, six, five, six, uh, somewhere in there. At any rate, uh, we uh, he he'd theorized that Jamie was going to have to take Cersei out uh, before she yep. even, or, you know, or right after she did this or right before she did this. Um, so, um, I think it's still a possibility for the future, especially that last shot, uh, with them exchanging looks that did not look friendly at all to me. Yeah. Um, I think that there doesn't, uh, 15 episodes to go is what they've said. Um, the white walkers still are not here. Um, I think Danny's got to take Westeros and then they got to fight the white walkers. I think that's the way it's going to play out. So I don't think there's much time for a war between, Danny and company and the Lannisters. So I think something mm. quick will, will end it and Jamie will probably have a hand in it. And then, uh, you know, Jamie meeting Tyrion and Danny later on down the road would be an interesting meeting for sure. Yeah, Jamie's still not very happy with uh, Tyrion about killing Daddy, is he? No, and... Uh, Danny seems to realize how bad Eris was, but still, uh, yeah, that's he true. Destroyed her world because of what he did to her dad. So, oh, I love that. I never even thought of that parallel. Jamie killed Danny's daddy. Tyrion killed Jamie's daddy. Well, his own daddy too. But it, wow, that, that's so, some, some nice irony there. <laughs> so who's gonna kill? So. Daenerys has got to kill someone to complete that triangle, but Tywin's already dead, so it doesn't really work. Never mind. Forget that. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking, you know, Jamie's kind of just like uh, under Cersei, the Mad Queen, uh, and Tyrion is just kind of under Danny. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you, Gosh. Dad, dad, daddy uh, side all around, patricide all around. Um, what else you got? Um, I love John being called the White Wolf. Although, uh, I'm not sure who mentioned it before, but not having Ghost there was kind of dumb, considering they called him the White Wolf. I like the fact that John has his own Stark nickname. Uh, all the other important Starks did, like Ned was the quiet one, uh, Brandon was the wild one, uh, Benjamin the wolf pup, and then there was the She-Wolf, Lyanna, and now the White Wolf. It's and the young wolf, of course, that um, with Rob, but the white wolf is pretty fantastically tame. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Uh, final thought, and then we need to move on to another caller. Bran, why wasn't he riding in Tyrion's modified saddle that he made for him? He was just kind of sitting on the horse. Stupid thought, that's all. <laughs> I love it, love it. If you want to stick around for the larger conversation, uh, again, if we get to have it, then I will uh, definitely, uh, or you can hold on to the line. Uh, in the meantime, we need to move on through uh, these calls here. Let's see, who is next? We have uh, our caller from Canada, Joe, right? Hello? Hello? Who am I speaking to? Hey, it's Joe. All right, that's what I thought. Joe, hey, uh, welcome back Welcome back to the show. Uh, give me a quick rating on a scale of 1 to 10. I'll give it a 9.5. 9.5 out of 10. Uh, yeah. Any particular reason why? How does it relate to last week's episode or other episodes this season? Uh, geez, it was almost as good as last week, so I just, uh, I, yeah, it was one of the best episodes I've seen again, so I gave it a high one, <laughs> so I don't know. Very good. Just liked it a lot. Good ending. Excellent. What? So, uh, give me an idea of uh, what you want to talk about. Start us off well, here. Well, just quickly, uh, in Old Town, when uh, Sam got in there, into the library, mm-hmm. they had those uh, those things hanging from the ceiling there. Was that the uh, what they use at the beginning of the show when they're playing the music? Like, is yes. that a symbol of the whole of the library that we've been seeing since season one? Well, I don't know if it's supposed to be a symbol of the of of the. Well, I mean, I, I think it is supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be a similar object as to what we see in the in the credits for sure. I mean, I don't think that we're like every time we've looked at the map that we're looking from the the roof of the library but uh yes it was present uh, we had an earlier caller point that out and i had actually um just barely noticed that on my second viewing i didn't notice it until then so uh good good call there yeah it was definitely a, a tribute to the to to the beginning map for sure yeah uh, that was neat i thought i like that um also with uh obviously one of my favorite parts was uh Tyrion with Danny and uh I just thought it was I think that was probably Tyrion's finest moment of his life just knowing that he did it without having you know anyone everything he's ever had in life is because he was a Lannister or because he had money and who he was and he actually had this time he finally deserved for who he was and what he did without any help. Like he had to start from being a drunk to where he's got to now and being named hand was kind of like, he did it. He knew he did it himself. He did in with his brain and, or whatever. And that's what I really loved about that scene. I think was, uh, was that part of him talking? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, uh, that whole, that whole scene just got me. Uh, I was one of my favorite scenes of the episode, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you would think that uh, other stuff, wildfire blowing up, explosions and all that would be fantastic for me. But I like the quiet moments. I'm one of those guys that likes the quiet moments. And I, I thought that, that 
Um, Danny and uh, and Tyrion were, was probably my favorite scene. Yeah. Yeah, was, I thought that was awesome. I liked uh, when he told her the game is uh, frightening. Is that what he said? Yeah, he said, if you're not frightened, and if you're not frightened of it, then you're a madman like your father. Yeah. No, he's something about like you're in the game, and the game is frightening or terrifying or something like that. Right, and then he followed it right up with anybody who's not frightened of it is is as mad as your father was. Yeah, and I just find that uh, the High Sparrow he he felt pretty good at the time. You know, he was at the top of the world, and uh, when you're up so high, there's always someone trying to bring you down. So that look with Sansa, I think she realized she got her, which I was totally wrong with last week, but she was, uh, at that moment, she got her her name back and her family's name back. But then when she looked at Littlefinger, I think she realized the game's not over. You know, I think she actually is learning, like, because everyone was super happy at that time, but she realizes in her in her heart there's it's never over it's never it's never done the game always is trying to bring you down so i think it's i i actually liked her a lot this week to be honest with you so we'll see i we'll see what happens but uh i thought that was pretty cool um with her i thought yeah, I thought so too. Where do you read that? Where do you read that going? Do you think that uh, she might go back to Littlefinger a little bit, or or is she just um, thinking how can I use Littlefinger? Because as she said to John in the in the prior episode, she says no one can protect me, no one can protect anyone. You know, what, yeah, what, and that's what, what she, I think she's thinking. She's like, I I feel safe, but then she realizes I'm not safe. I'm still I'm never going to be safe. So. I don't think she's going to go back with Littlefinger, no, not really. I think uh, once Bran gets to Winterfell and realizes uh, who Jon is, then I think at the end Jon's just going to give it to her, I think. I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. But Interesting, yeah. I, I can see I that. Don't think... What's that? You can see that? Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. That's. It's gonna be awesome. I can't see what happens with it. So, I just I liked her a lot, and I and I thought uh, Arya was a lot more merciful. Well, I was totally wrong about that. I mean, she's out for blood, and I'm 100% convinced that she's gonna be the one that's gonna kill Cersei because I think Dan and Dave are gonna want her to do the list that she has. So, all these people are gonna to try to kill her, but I think Arya is gonna be the one to do it, and not because she killed all you know, help kill her dad, it's all because she killed the uh, lady, Sansa's dire wolf. And we're, <laughs> we're going to finally get some uh, uh, some uh, revenge on some of these dire wolves, hopefully. <laughs> we lost a lot of them. We yeah. lost a lot of them. What do, you, what do you make of a possibility of now that Arya is in the Riverlands that we might see a Nymeria-Arya reunion somewhere down the line? Well, my whole dream has always been because like, I've been reading since 91, that Arya is just going to come out of the war when they have a huge war and, you know, 300 uh, wolves are going to come out of the forest behind her and charge uh-huh. into the battle. So, that would 
would be I'm fun. really hoping she finds Siberia somewhere, but I'm kind of hoping she hooks up with the Hound again and heads up north with with them and uh, and Brienne. So I think John needs to unite everyone at Winterfell, and I think that's where the war is going to be taking place. So that's what I think. I don't know. Yeah, I I think that that's a good thought. Um, were you disappointed at all by no Brienne check in, or do you just feel like we didn't need it? I don't think we needed it. It'll be gotcha. fine next year to see where she turns up and stuff. No, there was yeah. lots of stuff, good stuff tonight or yesterday. So, um, another another thing was uh, was it season three or four when Cersei's walking down the uh, the steps with Marjorie, and I think Marjorie called her sister. And uh, Cersei was like, kind of told her the whole story about the reigns of Castamere. And I was like, why was she telling her that story? Because everyone knows the story, but it was pretty much what she, she destroyed a whole house. Like, she did her own reigns of Castamere, which is kind of, she like pretty much warned her, you know, don't screw with me and or I'll kill you all. And she actually did kill them all, so... It's kind of good uh, foreshadowing, I guess, after a couple of your seasons see what she did. It was pretty crazy. I'm pretty excited totally to watch. Totally agreed, man. Totally agreed. Um, where, I mean, you you saying that you don't feel like Cersei's reign is going to last too long, either via Jamie or Danny or, or something like that. Um, who's next? Just, just out of a speculation, if Cersei were to be killed early on in season seven, just for fun. Who do you think the throne goes to next? I mean, is it going to be Danny? Is that who you think sits next? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone else has taken it. Danny's definitely going to, for sure. I mean, she's going to land there in the beginning of the season, so everyone's going to hear about it. And you don't screw around when someone's got dragons. It's like, okay, hands are up. You, you can have it. It's yours. And we can finally get that one shot of it. that brand. We can finally get that one shot that Bran has been envisioning for quite a while um, in in his visions, a shot of, of a dragon shadow flying over King's Landing. That's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be great. And now it's going to scare Cersei, hopefully. Or maybe she'll get Robert Strong to, or the Mountain to go fight it. Who knows? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> If he's not still, if he's not still having fun with Septa and Ella, yeah, who knows what he's doing with her? She's oh. crazy to watch next year. That is I crazy, think. man. Um, I also got one more thing. Uh, so when uh, I rewatched the, sh- the, sh- the episode, and uh, when Ned, you know, young Ned, goes up the stairs and goes into the room, and you actually notice that he actually has Arthur Dane's sword. And when he puts it down, leaning against the bed there. And I just found this scene kind of weird because it seemed like they showed the sword part just like a half, like a half a second longer than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of pause it, it's got like a star on the hilt there. And then there's okay. like this bloody bed part or rag underneath it. And I'm wondering if that's a bleeding star. Oh, mm-hmm. As opposed oh. to, say, like the comet or something like that? Yeah. I mean, John's just born there, and there's a 
you know, blood and a star together there. So I wonder if they actually put that in for a... As a, uh, as a book shout-out? Yeah. Could be. I don't know if they've mentioned that in the in the show yet, the Bleeding Star. I don't star. think they have mentioned it in the show, no. No? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, I uh, noticed that. I was like, hmm, I wonder... If, when I watched it again, I paused it and just kind of tried to like take a better look. and was like, maybe that's the Bleeding Star. <laughs> so... Possibly so. Maybe. Could be. Very good. Good observations. Joe, thanks so much for calling in. Um, Folks, we're we're probably not going to get around for the longer conversation tonight. I apologize. Again, I I have a very limited schedule tonight just due to uh, family matters. But uh, we will continue to take the calls that we do have. Uh, Right now I have a caller from New York, and then I will have Axel Foley on from the Small Council podcast as well. We'll start with our call from New York. Who am I talking to? Hi. Hi there. Who is this? This is uh, Wolf and Winter, Danielle. Oh, hi, Danielle. I'm sorry I didn't recognize your voice or your call ID. So thanks so much for calling in once again. How are you this evening? And give me a rating for the... uh, the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, please. I'd say a 9.5. I I have a lot of questions after the episode, but I loved it regardless. I thought this, the directing was wonderful, and, like, the King's Landing scene, the music and the way it built up, even though I expected the wildfire, I was still blown away. And, like, Tommen's face just made me so sad before he jumped. Um. Yeah, so it was great. And in terms of what happened in King's Landing, I'm wondering, like the other guests, I you pretty much think that Jamie's going to kill Cersei, but if he does it to prevent her from blowing up King's Landing and then the dragons end up sparking the wildfire instead, um, what that will do to Jamie. Um, and then also, Ooh. I kind of, I think I remember that Brienne dreamt about killing Jamie in the books. So wondering if that actually will happen and how that will come about if if Jamie dies and ends up turning into a zombie or something like that. Um, Oh, no. I don't know. I I, I think I remember from the book. I don't know if I'm recalling it accurately, but pretty much much sure she has a dream about killing him. Um, And then Arya, I love the Frey Pie reference, but I'm wondering where the face came from <laughs> she was wearing and whether she killed somebody at the phrase to wear the face. And if every time she wears a face in the future, does that mean she just killed somebody? Unless she, like, stole some faces from the house in black and white and packed them to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's dive into that for just a second because I've tried to put it off, but I, I guess we're getting near the end of the podcast. I really can't anymore. Um the fact that Walder Frey did not seem to recognize the girl tells me that obviously it wasn't anybody. If she did kill somebody, if Arya did kill somebody, uh-huh. then it wasn't anybody associated with House Frey with any kind of uh-huh. regularity. Um, that would make her much more of an innocent uh, that was killed, and I don't really like that at all. Um, on, on the other hand, you know. I mean, we watched Arya walk out of the House of Black and White in, in just a, you know in just regular clothes 
uh, unless she had them stuffed down her shirt. I don't know how she got those either. Um, so it, 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 it is a quandary, and I don't know how to answer it. I don't know how to explain it. I, I don't know that Dave and Dan ever will. Um, maybe at some point we will see her killing uh, some non-friendlies and, and putting, you know, putting their faces in a pouch or something like that. But um, at, at this point, the question is valid. I just don't know that there is any way to legitimately answer it, right? Yeah, and that's, that's kind of scary in terms of if she does end up killing people in order to do this, um, she's not going to end up in a good place at the end of the story. Yeah. How do you feel about the, this, uh, you know, the fact that Ari, the, the second she got back to Westeros, she went right back to her list, so to speak? I mean, is, is, this, uh, is this something you want to see? Uh, re- and, and don't think about the how she does it. Just think about the result of it, I, I think, is the, is the safest way to be able to say yay or nay. I mean, for me, yeah. as a fanboy, Arya, even just resuming her list, kind of rejects the whole notion of her going to Bravos in the first place because I thought as a fanboy that Bravos was supposed to be the test to make her see turn back from the darkness and instead it seems like she's embracing it even more just carrying the skills that she learned there. I expected it. Um when I saw you know when the person she was disguised as was like serving Jamie and Ron, I immediately thought that was Ara just because they rested a little bit too long on her. Um, and she doesn't really have any purpose that I could see in her storyline beyond the path of revenge. Um, and even leaving the house in black and white, she wasn't ready to kill anonymously, but she's ready to kill for revenge. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so you think the fact that she's not willing to kill just anybody is a good thing, but then you're going to see through her storyline that killing just for revenge is not necessarily a good thing also. So, um, yeah. And then I, I do think Mel mentioned that to Arya that they were going to meet again, so that's probably what's going to happen, I'm assuming. Or she and the Herod's about Sansa and John, and maybe heads up there, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I also had a question, like a previous caller mentioned briefly about the North and why the Lords weren't really paying much attention to the White Walkers coming. And I was wondering the same thing because John and Davos, when they walked, when they went around campaigning, they didn't mention them to at least two or three of the houses. And everyone was like, okay, let's go back home, prepare for winter. And I, and John starts to speak about it and then gets cut off. But no one seems to... I'm like, either you don't believe him, and so you think he's crazy, so why make him king of the North, or you do believe him, so why aren't you paying more attention to this, and why are you worried about who's king of the North? I don't know. I love yeah, and it was, it maybe was, that's why. Maybe that's why Liana stood up so quickly, uh, yeah. was simply for the fact that, uh, you know, that was one of Davos's key arguments to her, uh, mm-hmm. to get them to join. Um, now, would that change anything about the other the other houses' minds? I don't know why it would or wouldn't, but uh, nonetheless, it, it did seem um, it just seemed like a, you know they were just working towards the moment. Is <laughs> what you know it was a TV convention. Yeah, yeah. So I hope next season they talk more about that and about the other magical elements. It just seems everyone accepts it so readily, or just 
ignores it so readily, I guess is the more accurate thing. It'd be yeah. cool if more of that next season. If they don't, they don't have time, though, probably. So. Yeah. And Do you think there's any reflection that the news is traveling south a little more steadily since we now know that uh, Beric Dondarrion and the Brotherhood Without Banners know about it? I think news is traveling. It's just weird to seem like what they accept and what they don't because even Ramsey Bolton said that he heard like when they were having the parlay, he said, oh, I heard about you, John, and how great you are as a swordsman. So I'm thinking then he probably heard about the ranging beyond the wall and that the walkers came. They killed, you know, attacked Mormont. They killed a whole bunch of the brothers. Um, so why isn't anyone paying attention to that? And even Littlefinger talking about the Iron Throne. Like, how about <laughs> the fact that there won't be an Iron Throne if they come across the wall? Like, and everyone's still caught up in the minutia of what they want as opposed to this looming threat that either they really just don't believe and so they shouldn't take John or Davos or the Wildlands seriously, or if they do, let's deal with this <laughs> or deal with Littlefinger as a threat, for example, and get rid of him because he obviously is for himself first. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's just, uh, I would, it would be nice to have a little debate or something about all of that up there in the North. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, yeah. I can see that. What else? Uh, just a couple more questions. One was about Benjen and whether he, it seems like he knew a lot about the Three-Eyed Raven and had conversations with him. So doesn't he realize that the Three-Eyed Raven's lair was destroyed because of Bran and he was being marked by the Night's King? And so why is he telling Bran? And doesn't Bran, Bran realizes that also, though. So why are they thinking about Bran going to the wall? I'm like, doesn't it, like, don't they think that that might also let the Night's King go through the wall if it worked for the Three-Eyed Raven's Lair? I love that question because that is a big question. It's like, is the magic in the wall um, strong enough to withstand the mark that Bran has on him once he crosses, or is it not? Um, which is going to make for, you know, uh, Benjen... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole Benjen being in connect with the Three-Eyed Raven thing um, just was a little weird for me. I don't expect that to be the case in the books at all. Yeah. But uh, for I guess for television show purposes and to make drama, then it then it's all fine. But it can't can't I mean can you see any other outcome in order to make good television except the fact that somehow something has to give with Benjen. Uh, in order to uh, be able to create the drama of the wall being able to be breached. Yeah, because I don't remember. I don't think there's any horn in the show, so there's no other way for the wall to fall down. Right. I agree. I agree. Well, although Sam did recover a horn, did he not, when he found I, I, uh, all well, the obsidian? I don't remember. Someone else would ask. I don't remember. I. I um, was it... I guess it was the was it the I guess because that's what uh, in the show that's what um, what's his name was the king beyond the wall I forgot his name Mance Raider yeah he was looking for that in the show too right 
I don't remember if he was looking that for that specifically in the show or not. Um, but uh, if see our friend Bubba from the Joffrey of podcast and I have always suspected that the horn that Sam found and in the books that John found uh, could perhaps be the actual horn of Jeremon. Um, but whether that yeah, see to me it's still a question of whether it just wakes the giants or whether it it would would in fact tear down the wall. Now Mance obviously believes. Uh, that it would in the books, but I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. And then you just mentioned the Giants. That's a whole other story. Um, yeah, and then that's pretty much it. I just have, like, I was sad about Liana because I was wondering about her last week, and she ended up making that speech. Um, and then I love Lady Elena. Um putting the sand snakes in their place. Um, Poor sand snakes. They get no respect, man. No respect. No, no respect. They're a bunch of Rodney Dangerfields down there. <laughs> uh, they're horrible. But they're so horrible, sometimes I just have to laugh. So they're entertaining that way. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the only other thing in terms of getting the Iron Throne and who would make a good ruler, I felt like especially in this episode, that Tyrion could just take the Iron Throne. He seems to be the only person who would actually make a good ruler, and he has experience from all walks of life, from highborn to working with free slaves, Masande, Grey Worm, and actually thinks things through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and is knowledgeable, you know, so... In my dream of dreams, he would be sitting the Iron Throne, but I don't know if that that probably would never happen. But he's my but guy. The fun thing for Tyrion now is is that if Danny does manage to conquer Westeros and take over the throne, he's essentially ruling it, right? I mean, I know Daenerys is very hands on. She doesn't like not people decisions being made without her, but um, Tyrion can shape policy forever now much more so than he could he had to kind of shape policy behind joffrey's back because as bubba will tell you joffrey is the all-knowing all-seeing and magnanimous and and completely um, you know uh fantastic ruler bubba from the joffrey podcast joffrey podcast please download as well as the small council <laughs> podcast as well as okay done plug it anyway all i'm saying is, is that he can actually shape policy again in a forthright manner that might at least have somebody who Danny seems to have really come around and is listening to him now. So uh, I think that that's a definite positive, even if he doesn't sit the throne. That's true. I, I didn't think about that. And since I don't think Danny will stay at King's Landing for long or on the throne, if he ends up ruling in her stead, he could end mm. up being there. So that would be a good thing. Excellent points. Excellent points. Danielle, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have another, maybe, like I said, if I, if I have any time sometime later this summer, maybe we can all come back as book readers and just uh, spoil the heck out of what was different. How about that? Sounds good. All right. Thanks so much for calling in. And our final caller, our final caller is none other 
than the gentleman from the Small Council Podcast. You can follow him at Small Council Pod, or you can follow him personally at W. Axel Foley. Welcome, Axel. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing excellent. Thanks for your patience. We've had a lot of calls, and I know it took a while for you to get up here, but I appreciate you sticking around. Rating of the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, only because I haven't heard your uh, your small council initial reaction yet. Um, I'm so bad at rating things, but I guess, I mean, as an episode of television, I would give it like a 9. Excellent. Uh, you know, in comparison to the, the Battle of the Bastards, better or worse? Oh, man, you're getting me into, like, film list territory. See, this is why Keith has the lists, man, not me. You <laughs> got a terrible. list since the heat, the film I, list. I like, I like them both. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I like them both. Excellent. All right. Well, that, that that's fair enough. Well, I won't, I won't push you any further on that. What did you want to talk about, brother? Um, well, actually, I wanted to start off. You know, you've been talking for two hours. Is there anything you want to bring up that you have a person now to bounce off of or – I just thought I'd give you the opportunity. You're always the host, so. Well, I appreciate that very much. But my job as host is to give the show to everybody else <laughs> and do as little work as possible, man. Come on. Okay, okay. I know how that is. Um, I will. I want to say that if we went by the kind of lost uh, mathematics, uh, you're, you, I hear you asking a bunch of people who you think might sit on the Iron Throne at the end. And I think I would have to say, using the lost method, uh, that it would be Sam. Sam is Hurley. You are totally right, brother. Yep. So that's uh, I, I think it's and I and that kind I like that too because I really like Sam and I like that library and everything. I I love that whole thing and they actually brought up on the bald move instant cast and I wanted to see if you thought this that. The, the the chandeliers and that room is what we're seeing in the opening credits of the show. Uh, I I love the, the correlation. I don't know if it's a direct correlation or not. I don't know if I'm ready to quite go that far, but yeah, it was definitely they are in they are in the in the shot. I mean the chandeliers are in the shot. So if they are not a direct direct correlation, they're certainly a shout out to the to the title sequence. So either way works for me. Uh, but I, I don't know if I have a, a definitive opinion on it. Maybe okay. if we see it more, we'll know. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of like that because it would kind of make sense, like a map, knowledge, like, you know what I mean? That that kind of makes sense. I like that. Like maybe the whole time we've kind of been – I just really love the introduction of that library and all that knowledge, and it really got me, like, all excited. I wanted to be there with Sam, like reading about the ancient times and – you know, all that kind of stuff. That really, I, I, I love that stuff. And I actually, I wish we had more of Sam and Gilly. And I also wanted to say that being a, you know, I'm a stay-at-home dad with my four-year-old son. And I can't imagine having to sit around in that uh, wait, that stone waiting room for like hours with like a little two-year-old. Poor Gilly. <laughs> Poor Gilly. That's the way I was too. And Sam just kind of shrugging going, oh, it's, it's my golden moment. You know, yeah. it was nice of her to let him have it, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know what? I just want to cut to the chase because one of the things that coming out of this is basically, you know, setting us up for what a lot of people are calling the final act. 
So, you know, Danny's on her way over to Westeros. We've got Cersei sitting on the Iron Throne. We've got John in the north. And, you know, some kind of battle will ensue. How soon Danny will get to King's Landing? We've been talking a little bit on Twitter and through our uh, text thread about her probably stopping in Dorne first. I don't know if someone else mentioned that before I got on the call. But that sounded pretty plausible to me. So you think that will be her her landing on the Westeros will be Dorne? Yeah. I mean, if I understand the geography correct, wouldn't that be possible? Oh, absolutely possible. Sure. Uh, You know, the the crossing of the Narrow Sea. In fact, uh, Dorne being uh, down by that that tip that comes out that that used to be called, I think it's called the Broken Arm. Um, It's probably uh, from where she is in Marine, it probably is the shortest distance. Now, say from like Bravos, I think that uh, probably, you know, uh, somewhere further north, uh, much further north would be, be be the shorter distance, but Bravos is quite a bit north of Marine, from what I understand from the geography. So I I think that that makes logical uh, logistical sense for those boats, especially if you got a bunch of Dothraki that don't like being on the poison water anyway. Yeah, and it's kind of like a it could be a staging area where then you could also have in the first episode next season the grand entrance and landing. And then she meets with Elena and the Sand Snakes, and they kind of like plan shit out, you know? And, and nice. also, I guess, pledge allegiance to her, right? You would think so. You would think so. I, I posited a, a while back, you know, it's like we heard, once we heard Danny say that she would allow anyone to uh, ask, I guess that was back in the Battle of the Bastards episode with, uh, with uh, Yara. I had positive. Is it possible that Danny will let everybody uh, just kind of rule themselves, um, and and she just be kind of a loose reins kind of 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 person? I guess I had even seen it as more as just complete independence. But I think you were the one on the Small Council podcast who reined me into kind of more like a a confederacy of of sorts with a, a loose central government, that being Danny. Um, so yes. that that would be very interesting to see them, you know, if we see the same kind of deal struck with Dorne as we see struck, has been struck with the Iron Islands. Um, but uh, if, say John, you know, declines the whole King of the North thing at, at one point, or Sansa's, uh, you know, or, or God forbid something happens to him during the war with the White Walkers, uh, maybe you just have all queens ruling by the end. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, it's just awesome the way we have all, it's like all women and John is the only dude. And it's so funny, too, because, you know, we talked last night, uh, how I was just so unimpressed by that whole King of the North thing. I thought it was really stupid. He asked them to fight the White Walkers and they declare him King of the North. And it's like the whole stupid Rob stuff all over again. I just didn't buy any of that. Do you make? Does that make you worry for John? Uh, yeah, being shout, yeah. having King of the North shouted at you isn't a good thing usually. <laughs> no, and I don't think it's what he desired. And I think Davos and Tormund were like just kind of like, oh, King of the North, you know. But I mean, I, I just want to say because I don't want to take up too much of your time that in the great grand picture, I like that Danny lands. It's like a staging ground. You know, the Dothraki can come around. They attack King's Landing. I keep on thinking that Cersei, and we talked about it last night, is just, she's 
she, I mean, who maybe the only person I threw out that could help her that we've met is uh, Euron. Maybe he says, well, if Danny got with them, I'm going to get with Cersei. And he tries to, that's the only thing I could kind of think about. But anyway, I just want to say I was wrong for three seasons in a row. I have predicted that Cersei was going to die. And I keep on (laughs) predicting it. And I am, I, she has proven me wrong, and I love what they've done with her character. She is super badass, most evil character. She wins. I am Team Cersei, and, I, and I'm now rooting for Cersei actively to take out Danny and destroy that whole army and continue her great theme of always being so selfish that she just messes it up for herself and everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> by, by, like, taking apart this perfect because it's just too good, man. Danny now has this perfect army. And then if she can unite with John, then it's like everybody's united, you know? And they can all unite against the White Walkers. And it's too good of a story for me. It's got to it's gotta be thrown out somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I know that after last week, the Battle of the Bastards, we all positive. Well, with Ramsay gone, who's the person we're supposed to hate? I guess it's yeah. just back to Cersei then, right? Yeah, and she's super Cersei now. I mean, that outfit was badass. You know, she's looking good. She doesn't even care that Jamie's in the room. This is, she's just, the kids are dead. She's got nothing to love anymore. She is just going to be like a like uh you know in the movie time bandits if they touch that piece of coal they like instantly die and burst into flames that's like yeah. what cersei has become yes yeah <laughs> exactly hey man i gotta tell you don't don't i i know that you're probably frustrated after three seasons of predicting that she's gonna die but don't let go of that notion yet or, or no, especially the notion yeah, especially the notion that uh, you and uh, uh, that you've posited all season that Jamie's going to take her out. I feel well, that coming. Yeah, see, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't. I just don't think it's going to be. I think I'm getting crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think Cersei's going to make it to the end, and she's like the victor, victor of the Game of Thrones. I don't. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I think someone's going to take her out. But I even think the Jamie thing. It's just I can't. You know, man. Uh, at some point, I gotta just at least consider other options here, Matt. <laughs> I'm just grasping at straws here because it's like I know. Then I thought, um, thank you for mentioning it. Okay, I just compressed the narrative, and instead of Cersei burning down that and then like accidentally killing Tommen, and then Jamie comes back and she's like, oh, I'm gonna burn everything now. Now it's going to take a real long time, and that maybe that is what happened: is that Danny and all everyone will attack her back is against the wall, just like the Mad King. She knows it's over, and she just wants to take everybody out, and Jamie takes her out. But I'm just, I don't know. I just, I don't know, man. I can't. She just won't die. So, <laughs> you know, I could imagine her killing Jamie and being like, "You may be the King Slayer, but you're not the Queen Slayer." And then, like, just slicing his throat. See, I'm writing the next season already. Oh, there you go, brother. There you go. So are they. They got to be filming pretty soon. Are you excited? Yeah. I mean, I, I, how how do you guys over there at Small Council Podcast? I mean, are you guys like just thinking, oh man, there's just so much to absorb from this season? But now we have like 
probably 10 months to think about this stuff. Uh, how are, how yeah. do you deal with the off season? Do you, are you able to let it go? Uh, you know, in the past, I just, I would just turn it off since I'm not a book reader. I just kind of turned it off and partially that was because I didn't want to get kind of too spoiled or anything. But I, I threw that a little bit out the window this season and I listened to some podcasts that were not super spoily, you know, but kind of mm-hmm. talk book stuff. And I actually listened to some of your book stuff um, just to kind of, and you, there wasn't stuff that I felt was really spoily. Um, but I think, I don't know, man, I'll probably turn it off and jump back in. Though I have been really con- heavily considering reading the books or listening to them. I mean, I've said it before, but it would be kind of fun because I am a little bit worried that if the new book drops, I just think it's going to be like spoiler central. And I, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to blame people because we talk so openly about the TV show and you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And, Cause then the, and it's kind of past the book. So I couldn't really get so angry at people if they're just kind of talking about it, not intending to spoil people. Um, but then who knows, maybe the new book ends the same way last night ended. Mm, possibly. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a big contention, uh, well, contention. It's been a big speculation uh, since, oh gosh, I don't know, a year and a half ago that, that George kind of gave Dave and Dan all of the bullet points. And I've maintained on this podcast that, you know, a lot of the bullet points aren't going to be the same. And that's to me, that's fine because uh, with the books, for me, it's all about the journey. So I, I don't yeah. feel like any of that is going to be um, really ruined for me just by finding out the bullet points. In the meantime, like I said to you guys on your podcast the first time I was there, it's just kind of like, I'm just eating this stuff up. I want to know what happens next, you know. So I'm going to be yeah. dying this off season, probably, you know, trying to mine everything out of the uh, the world of ice and fire, anything I can uh, in relation to the books or the television show, just trying to figure out what's going to happen next. I, I can't wait. Well, I am excited for next season, and you know, it'll it's going to be a long time, but it'll come. And I did have an inkling of hope today, which I thought to myself, if they're doing shorter episodes one of the things that people have posited is that it's not really about story because they've shown that if they want to, just like on last night's episode, they can do a lot of time jumping and moving around within one episode. They don't really need to wait episodes to do things anymore. And I think that could be an effective way for the show to kind of develop. It's also been said that, you know, they're, it's going to have to get more effects heavy because we're going to see the dragons a lot or the White Walkers a lot. or I don't know if that's particularly true, but I, I was thinking maybe the next season will come a little earlier. You know, HBO is in the midst of really changing around. They just hired a new um, uh, director or president of programming. And they're in the mid, and you know they canceled vinyl and stuff, and they're in the midst of kind of moving their stuff around. And I could conceivably see, and uh, trust me, I don't have any inside sources, man, just my hopes and dreams. Right. Um, but I, I wouldn't be completely surprised if they do announce a shorter season 
with a premiere of closer to January, February, uh, mm. rather than April. It usually starts on what, April or May, right? Correct. So I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. Uh, I, I I hope that the episodes would be delivered. That would be my contention. They haven't even, they're still looking for locations for season seven right now from my understanding. So, um, you know, depending on the shooting schedule and what kind of effects they do have to do, um, they like to take their time putting these episodes together. I, I don't think Javadi's even scoring until like usually like February. Um, so that, that would be my only kind of worry about, them trying to, to, to rush things a little bit more often than they're used to. Uh, cause yeah. they, um, on, on the other hand, you know, with fewer episodes and that's a fewer directors to hire and, and less preparation needed. And, uh, the, there are advantages to having fewer episodes, like you said. So anything's a go right now. We'll just have to see. We'll keep, uh, reading watchers on the wall and, and winds of winter through, throughout the, uh, throughout the, the off-season and, and hopefully not getting too spoiled about plots, but finding out about the mechanics of it so we can figure out when we're going to get to see it again, right? Yeah. Well, you know, hey, it was just a, just, a, just, a, just a dream I wanted to share with everyone, that's all. Well, I love your dream, man. I, <laughs> I would hope that, you know, I too have a dream, you know. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, one of those things that uh, I just feel – I don't know, man. I, I, it's, I'm just right now. I'm kind of, I, like I said, I got to an earlier caller. I got to marathon a lot of episodes together. I wasn't really watching week to week until what episode seven, I guess, episode six or seven of this season. So um, I've already started to feel kind of like Jones and for Game of Thrones, you know, right now, right now. I don't know what to do now. I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna go play a lot of music so that hopefully I can forget about it. There you go, man. Well, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks for doing the podcast. I'm so happy that you're back again. We're going to do our feedback episode. Um, we're totally scheduling it around Heat Solo's availability because we've got to get him back on the show. So we're thinking yeah. about Wednesday, um, and that should be a blast. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll pick up a book or, uh, you know, pick up some earphones and, Maybe I'll join you on some kind of bookish type adventure this off season. You never know. Ooh, join the dark side, Axel. Join the dark side. Come over here with me and Mike and Donald so that you can become a sniggering, you know, uh, <laughs> you can become just as rumpert as we are, you know. So, dude, thanks so much again. That's Axel Foley from the Small Council Podcast coming on. And I know I had promised a larger conversation to some of our other callers. It's just not going to happen tonight, folks. I, I do have... Uh, other obligations that I must, must fulfill. Um, but this podcast has been a pleasure to do. It's been great to have so many great callers, so many great people in the chat, like Iontrone, like Glenn Ewing, like uh, uh, Shadowcat Bex, who I think is Becca, who is our caller, like Fizzlehoff. Um, and again, thanks to Gary, to Joe, to everybody who called in, Stephanie, Everybody who called in was super fantastic. Coke Logic is in the chat. Wow, great. John Marius was in the chat. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Tyler Watt was in the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, lots of great people in the chat. We, Weaseldemann. I, I don't know. I couldn't read that one very well. My eyes are bad, and, and the, the chat room is small. But 
folks, it's been so fantastic to have you all along for these episodes. Clef Notes, um, I know that you're, you're all clamoring for more Clef Notes. I'll do what I can for you. Uh, in the meantime, there are going to be some bookish episodes, of, uh, basically three episodes in July, which will cover a three-part uh, series, theory series called The Great Theory of the Dawn. It is much more book-oriented in terms of the world of ice and fire, a lot of information that hasn't been presented in the television show. Use your discretion if you want to listen to that or not. Um, also keep in mind that I pre-recorded those podcasts way back in May before I started watching the show again. So I'm going to sound like an idiot about a lot of things in regards to how this theory might be uh, legitimized or taken away from in, in terms of the television show. Um, I'll, I'll sound kind of uh, really iffy about some of that stuff, but it does cover a lot from the Age of Heroes era and before. Um, then uh, in August, uh, we're going to get the old gang back together with uh, Kelly and John Marius uh, and Susan and hopefully Mike as well uh, to complete that Grand Northern conspiracy theory that I, I promised people forever for you book readers. I was like, we'll get to that last segment, I promise. And it never happens. Uh, our schedules have just been too crazy. Um, we will also have uh, the two Duncan Egg novellas that this podcast has not covered, The Sworn Sword and The Mystery Knight. We'll also, uh, as I'm working frantically this week on my week off before touring, uh, uh, I'm going to try to uh, uh, put together a series of television character episodes where we take a look at just Arya and her journey or just Cersei and her journey and what that means for the television show in the future. Um, there's also a, a great deal, because George is still evidently writing uh, and occasionally releasing sample chapters of The Winds of Winter, there's more to talk about in the context of the uh, the House of the Undying chapter, Danny Four from A Clash of Kings. We need to re-examine that, and I'm trying to put together something for that. So lots of content coming up, hopefully uh, at least two a month for you over the next couple months. If we're still waiting on Winds of Winter by then, then uh, maybe we'll dig into the world of ice and fire. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for downloading. Thanks for letting me be part of this television show fandom again. Everybody's been very friendly to me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me, of course, at F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-M. That's at Fit and Trim on Twitter. No, but that is our buddy Bubba, who is now, uh, you know, ganging up there and the, going up there in the ranks of, of Twitter followers as well, and we always like to help him out. Uh, Miss Bubba and Catfish, hope I get to talk to them sometime during the off season as well. Thanks again for listening, and here is Axel Foley to tell you how to contact me. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.